98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Five o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo show. Diamondbacks have already played. Diamondbacks have already won today, and they kind of got the bad taste out of their mouth from the way this series started against the San Francisco Giants, losing the first two. That game on Tuesday night was a punch to the gut with the Ian Kennedy home run that he gave up to Brandon Crawford in the bottom of the ninth, the walk-off. They've responded well. Uh, last night, they got the win. A lot of people contributed. Obviously, Stone Garrett was big. Dalton Varsho had a huge catch. Uh, Geraldo Perdomo had a big double play in the ninth inning. Jake McCarthy had the what ultimately was the game-winning hit. It was the go-ahead hit at the time. And then today, today was the Zach Gallon show. He was phenomenal. Career highs in innings pitched and in strikeouts, seven and a third and 12. He had four hits. He gave up four hits, I should say. Zero earned runs, zero walks. He was he was great. The Diamondbacks get a split in this series against San Francisco and continue Gambo to show off kind of some of the young pieces that we believe will be a part of the next great Diamondbacks team at some point. Yeah, and, and, and Gallon's one of those young pieces. I mean, you know, we talk about the outfield. We talk about McCarthy. We talk about Varsho. We talk about Alec Thomas, who, by the way, had an error today. Dropped a routine fly ball. I couldn't believe it. I know. Like, and what's Corbin up? Cowell. Come on, man. Yeah, so we talk about those guys, but then you know you got to look at some of the other players. Look, Christian Walker is not not old, but he's under control for the next two years. You're not going to lose him. He's a, a dynamic defensive first baseman, and he's hitting for tremendous power. But Gallon, you know, is a key piece. You've got Merrill Kelly locked up for a couple of years, so you've got Gallon, you've got Kelly. Bumgarner's the weak link. He even admitted he's the weak link. But let's see if you know Tommy Henry or any of these other pitchers can fall in line with that rotation. Look. If things, if everything worked out, it's possible that they they could contend as soon as next year. But there are still question marks, you know, for next year at third base. They're looking at Emmanuel Rivera. He looks pretty good. He's a better option than what they had. Uh, shortstop is a big question mark next year. Now it won't be going forward because one of the top prospects in their organization is a shortstop. But for next year, shortstop is still. Is it Pedermo? When Nick Ahmed's going to be back next year? Is he going to play? So uh, you know, Carson Kelly at catcher. Uh, um, you know, is he the answer or not? He had a nice little stretch there. He was playing really well. So there are still enough question marks, but there are a lot of more, a lot more answers right now than there are questions. Yeah, in I fact, uh, our, our poll question today, and Eric, just give us a quick update on it. We're asking everybody when the next great Diamondbacks team is going to be, when they're going to be in the playoffs again. It hasn't been, happened since 2017. 2017. When does our audience think it's going to happen? Our audience thinks it will happen in 2024, most likely. So two seasons from now, 41.2% are going with that. Uh, 22% for both 2026 and beyond. And for 2023, so a good amount of people think it's as soon as it might be way later. And 14.5% say 2025. All right, we appreciate the update on that. Now, the question, Gambo, has become whether Tori Lovello is going to be the steward to get the Diamondbacks to the next great version of themselves. Is he the guy the organization wants to continue to kind of shepherd them through this time when they're going to be primarily a younger team and they're going to be kind of learning how to play at the major league level. I know a Bob Nightingale article that came out recently kind of suggested that Tory could be on some kind of a hot seat when this season ends. Yeah, I understand it. I mean, I understand. I haven't made the playoffs in five years now and, um, you know, people may want to make a change to see. Uh, I think that he is, that Tory is still supported by Mike Hazen and 
in the front office. Uh, but we'll see if ownership decides to go in that direction. What I do know is what they are planning is at the end of the season, they'll make the decision, not before. They'll do a standard all-hands-on-deck meeting at the end of the season, an honest evaluation. Uh, it's Mike's area of responsibility, but Mike's under no pressure right now to make a decision until the season ends. They want to give the young guys a chance to play and see how this works out. But there is no pressure to act now. The Rangers, the Texas Rangers just fired their manager. They just fired their general manager. The Diamondbacks do not feel like there's any pressure to make any changes right now. They feel like they can play this thing out to the end of the season and then have that standard all-hands-on-deck meeting at the end of the season and make a determination. In some ways, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly simple equation. If you believe that the answer is strictly based off of wins and losses, then maybe you do make a move. If you believe the answer is more nuanced than that, if you believe the answer is more about the development of the younger players, about how they're growing, how competitive they are, how better, how much more better are they getting game in and game out, week in and week out. If you believe it's about that, then I can see where you would think Troy Lovello has earned the right to continue to be the manager of this baseball team because it does seem as if he has a good feel for the younger players in terms of getting them to be better versions of themselves. But I understand it. If you're just counting up wins and losses, even with the improvement from a year ago, it's not been a great era for Diamondbacks baseball the last two or three years. They haven't won nearly enough games. And if that's what you're basing it off of, yeah. I can see where people would say it's time to try somebody else. To me, it's just a bigger picture question than that. The thing I look for the most is, look, I, nobody is expecting this team to, with, the, with the lineup that they were rolling out there to win a lot of baseball games this year. And ownership is not committed to spending a lot of money on this roster right now, but they are in the future. Like They'll absolutely go up $25, 30000000 million more in salary. Right now, they're at about $100 million. But in previous years, they have spent a lot more money than that. It's just they're not ready to contend, and so they're not going to spend that money until they're ready to contend. Um, so I think what I look at is I look at you know, does this team respond? Do they respond to him? Do they play hard? Are they still trying to win baseball games? Have they tuned him out? And the answer to that is just absolutely no. I mean, they, they just haven't. They they do play hard for him. He's definitely a player's manager. Now, if you want to say, listen, he's not the right guy, X's and O's, and they need a new voice, and it's time for a change, like, I get it. Like, I get people that will say that. But I always look at how does the play, how are the players responding? Like, you know, they, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, but they're still playing hard. They're still trying to win baseball games, and they've had some things, especially the 8th and ninth inning bullpen that has kind of derailed their ability to compete this year. Yeah, but Torrey has also shown a willingness, albeit it took him a while, but a willingness to change things when it comes to that bullpen, to pull away from Mark Melanson, to to make some changes down there on how things are done. Look, it, like I say, I, I get it, but at the end of the day, it was rock bottom last year. They won 52 baseball games. They are, you would assume, on pace, certainly, to win at least 20 more baseball games than they won a year ago. I understand that's still going to be below some people's standards, but given the roster, given the expectations, given what we thought about Diamondbacks baseball, if I had told you back the beginning of the season that they're going to be 20 to 25 wins better than they were a year ago, I have a hard time believing there'd be a lot of people who would think that that means the end of Torre Lovello. If they go 500 and they play 22 and 22 baseball, they are 25 games better than they were last year. They would finish at 77 and 85. So if they play 500 baseball, you know, that that's 77 wins, 85 losses, and a 25-game improvement. Now, I'm a big believer. You know me. 
this this decision should not be based on what happens in the next next six weeks. You've had the guy here for six years. Do you want him or not? Like you don't. I I, I always think that that is the most ridiculous thing. Like, you know, we're really gonna wait. You 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 should know right now whether you're gonna bring this guy. You back don't or need not. six weeks more of games oh, to figure out whether six years. Yeah, no. You've had six years of the guy. You've had six. Do you want him to be your manager or not? Yeah. He's been here for six years. I don't think that. I really don't believe that what happens between now and the end of September makes a, a, a difference at all. I don't think it makes any difference. But, you should know right now whether he's your guy. But as we talked about earlier, the idea, if they do choose to bring him back, and I agree with you on this one, it can't be another one-year deal. It, it's, oh, no, it won't be. It it's won't be. It's got to be a multi-year deal where there's like some stability as opposed to a, okay, we'll come back and prove it again and come back and prove it again. I mean, it, that was fine for this last contract. It probably shouldn't be in place for now. Bottom line, I, I, for me, I'd be very surprised if Tori Lovello's not the manager of this team next year. I'd be very surprised if he's not. I don't know. I, I mean, I. I mean, it's it's a good question. I don't. I mean, I could I could understand. I haven't made the playoffs in five years. They, they want a new voice or a new change. Or, but I think that that Tory is getting the most out of some of these players and the young players getting these opportunities. Um, I think has really helped them. I mean, look, it doesn't help that Madison Bumgarner's not pitching well. It doesn't help that Melanson's been a disaster and Kennedy. It just you know it's been a it's been a hard it's been hard to finish games for them this year. Let's put it that way. And and we went over it the other day. I mean, the amount of one run games, the amount of losses, Melanson and Kennedy have accounted for twenty five percent of their losses if they had just pitched better you're talking about a team that's fighting with the Padres right now for a playoff spot right when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show Josh Jones was a highly thought of rookie a few years ago who it was assumed was going to have a place in the Cardinals offensive line it hasn't happened yet why hasn't that happened we'll talk about next on the Burns and Gambo show Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. According to Pro Football Focus, Josh Jones, the third-round pick of the Cardinals back in 2020, and a guy that at the time just felt like a massive steal. Like, wow. Offensive lineman of the future, third round. Can you believe this guy was there? Can't believe they got him. Can't wait to watch him. Since that moment, Gambo, according to Pro Football Focus, he has played 230 snaps at right tackle. He has played 612 snaps at right guard. So basically three times as many, a little less than three times as many snaps at right guard as he has at right tackle. He was drafted to be a tackle, but out of necessity, he had to play at guard. Yesterday, Josh Jones says, camp, frankly, has been better for me because they want me a tackle. They have put me a tackle. They've left me a tackle. Yeah, I'm playing a lot more tackle now. Uh, so it's been a lot better. I'm more comfortable up, like at tackle. So it's been um, kind of get back into my groove out there. So it's been going good. The question is, is he going to get enough experience to tackle this year so that the Cardinals are going to know what they have going into next year? That, to me, is the big question about Josh The question Jones. is, does any organization take more time figuring out where a guy should play than the Arizona Cardinals? <laughs> like, that's you know what? Question. You're right. My question sucks. Your question is a lot better. Does any organization take as long as the Cardinals does when so it comes to where figure out well, where a guy should play? Uh, you're, you're a getting, guard. You're a guard. You're, no, you're a tackle. You're kidding us. You're, 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 you're a linebacker. You're a linebacker. You're, you're a cornerback. You're at home today. 
today. You get a standing ovation from the guys in the studio for that take right now. I swear to God, Eric Ruby is standing up right now, giving you a standing ovation for that one, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, Gamble. I can't believe it. And you just summing it up in that way, it just really hit home. It, it's yeah. ridiculous. Why does it take so long to figure out where a guy should play? <laughs> Every year. I'm so sick of these people. <laughs> you know, oh. They had a quarterback that ends up, they had a quarterback here. He's actually one of the best tight ends in the league now. <laughs> right? Yes. Am I did. right? You are right. Logan right, Thomas. Guys, Logan hey, you're a quarterback. You. You're a quarterback. Another team says, you're not a quarterback. He can't throw. He's a tight end. They make him a tight end. Now he catches 70 balls a year. Cardinals quarterback. Cannon for an arm. My God, look at this guy. He doesn't know where he's throwing it. Half the times it went in the stands. Another team says, you know what? I don't really think that that guy's a quarterback. Do you? No. Well, he's probably a tight end. Yeah, now he's a damn good tight end. It's an awesome take. Seriously, that's the... Okay, mark it down. 520 in the afternoon. We, we hit our peak. That was the high point of the Burns and Gambo show today. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> we'll see you later. There's nothing you're going to listen to over the next 40 minutes that's going to be better than that. I'm just telling you right now, that's as good as it's going to get right that's there. It. That's it. Because you're not wrong. I mean, it, whether it's whether it's Hassan Reddick, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, Josh Jones, Logan Thomas. is like, okay, I mean, w- wouldn't it be more efficient for everybody if we kind of figured out earlier in their career whether we should where we should play these guys it's so Josh Jones now is is at tackle Sean Kugler the offensive line coach of the Cardinals set on record a week week and a half ago he knows Josh Jones is a future starting tackle in this league I appreciate that from coach all the coaches seeing that in me um, but I know that's what I am here um, I know I'm an NFL starter I just got to get there and that's, it takes a lot of work a lot more work I need to do um, but I appreciate it from the coaches, and I'm just keep working, keep working until they feel comfortable, and I feel comfortable out there to become the NFL starting tackle. But as good as your question was, I'm going to go back to mine for a second. If all goes according to plan, Josh Jones shouldn't play much tackle this year. It, DJ's on the left, and Kelvin Beecham's on the right. If there's an injury, and there probably will be, it's the NFL, it happens on the offensive line all the time, then he'll get some time out there. But can you imagine going into next year and Josh Jones has only had 220 snaps as a right tackle in this league and yet you plan on him being your starting right tackle? I mean, that's a very small sample size to kind of be able to lean on and know for sure whether you've got that position covered or not next year. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I was, I was actually just looking at Leonard Davis. You know, he's with the Cardinals as a tackle. He goes to the Cowboys as a three-time All-Pro guard. <laughs> three-time Pro Bowl guard. He's with the Cardinals 2001 to 2006. Goes to the Cowboys in 2007, Pro Bowl 8, Pro Bowl 9, Pro Bowl guard. In fairness, I'm sorry. In fairness to the I'm current sorry. regime, that was that was, that was pre, a different regime. Yeah. That was a different regime. That I'm was just a, saying it's just like this organization. It does, it does seem as if it's a problem for this organization. Yeah. Listen, uh, on Josh Jones, he's had his ups, ups and downs. He's definitely definitely the third tackle. He's the swing tackle. He's good enough. They like him to still build him up. But he's not as consistent. He has had his ups and downs. And, you know, hopefully that this switch back to tackle will work for him. And, you know, and and he'll be able to flourish. Because DJ said it left tackle, but we don't know about right tackle for next year. Like, Beecham's good. I like him. He was one of the best offensive linemen last year. But if he moves on, it would be nice to have an in-house replacement. It would, it would be so beneficial to have a guy that that's our guy next year. He's going to be all right. Instead of like, do we have to go sign a free agent? Or Now, they've had a 
a lot of success signing free agents and you know trades and everything that they've done. I mean, Rodney Hudson was a good trade, and then Justin Pugh was a great signing, and Kelvin Beecham, you look, and, and now Will Hernandez. They they've been able to patchwork an offensive line without drafting guys for a long time. They've done a pretty good job of it. They have. It, it, it would be it would just be nice if going into next year that you had a little bit more of a body of evidence about Josh Jones than just a belief that he can be your right tackle of the future. And I'm sure he's showing it in practice. But and, and look. I, I'm going to, I assume, I assume because of the nature of the offensive line in the NFL, at some point we're going to see Josh Jones playing tackle this year, right? I mean, just because guys get hurt, guys get injured, guys sprain an ankle, a knee, a this happens, a that happens. And I'm not trying to speak anything into existence. I just, that's the NFL. Guys get hurt, your backups have to play. I'm assuming we're going to see Josh Jones at some point playing tackle this year. I just hope there's enough of a sample size that if next year they pencil him in as the starting right tackle for the Cardinals, that he's done enough in actual game action to have earned that, to show that he's arrived, to show that he's that he is this guy that Sean Kugler believes he can be, because right now he's got 200 snaps in two years at the position, and I just don't know if that's enough to make that kind of decision or not. No, but it will be made based on what he does this year and whatever snaps he gets. If he goes out there and he plays well in these in these games, because he's going to play, you know that third tackle is going to play quite a bit. If he goes out and he plays well, then you, you, that might be something that they don't have to worry about next year. And they'll only be worried about getting a backup tackle, not a starting tackle. And that would be great, right? Because then you'd be like, okay, DJ was drafted, Josh Jones was drafted. You'd feel a little bit better about the draft picks if he works out, because then you'd have two guys that you drafted that are starting on your offensive line. You can text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line, it's always open for you during the Burns and Gambo show. Text us at 620-620 right now. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, our final push of the day for this great gem of an institution we have here in our valley, Phoenix Children's Hospital, and why you should get involved now is next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers in the auction Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station in the Arizona Sports app. Giveathon on the Burns and Gambo Show. We are well into the Giveathon. In fact, today we are almost done with the Giveathon for this day. One final day tomorrow, and then we will um, we'll find out. We'll find out exactly how the community responded to this gem of an institution that we've got here in our valley. Something that needs to be protected, something that needs to be funded, because we, we all understand, Gambo, at least I hope we do, is what we're here to tell the story about, is that Phoenix Children's Hospital simply is one of the best in the country and one of the best in the world when it comes to children's hospitals. And when you've got something like that in your backyard, you have to work very hard to protect it and maintain it. There's no doubt. And, you know, our population is growing here. And with that growth, there's more and more need for pediatric health care services. I mean, more and more people and families are moving to Arizona. It's a hotbed. And that's why you need to continue to support Phoenix Children's Hospital to make it the best because there's more children to take care of. I mean, there are children fighting for their lives in in Phoenix Children's Hospital every single day. So your gift, no matter what the size, your gift counts. That's why we need your support right now. There are 344 kids in 
impatient right now. There are 26 kids. You talk about kids fighting for their lives in the newborn intensive care unit right now. There are 26 children in that part of the hospital right now. That's where some of the most crucial work goes on in that hospital. But of course, there are others as well. And we, we talk about the why. I mean, we, we understand that there are 70 or more services that Phoenix Children's offers that are specifically reliant upon donations, philanthropy, uh, charitable donations like the ones that our audience, we hope that you're giving over the course of this week. Those 70 plus services, uh, art therapy, music therapy, animal assisted therapy, the one darn cool school which helps kids you know, further their education, continue their education while they're hospitalized. There are so many things that go on at that hospital that goes beyond just making sick, sick kids get well again gambo and and that's where donations like the ones that we hope come in really help well there's no question i mean you mentioned the darn cool school i mean think about these kids i mean school's going on right now and and your kids in the hospital for weeks or months and they've got programs available so the kids can keep up with their schoolwork during their hospital stays right um the therapy dogs that you talked about such a big part of it so so much of what the hospital does is based solely on donations a lot of it is based solely on donations which is why we do the PCH Giveathon every single year to help this hospital out. So what we're asking you to do is become a champion of hope. It's a $20 per month donation. I know with the economy, that might be a lot to ask right now, but if you can do it, we would appreciate it. $20 per month, become a champion of hope. We'll deliver a teddy bear in your name to one of those kids in the hospital right now. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 602-933-4567. We've got a match coming up in just a moment. So you might want to hold off until then, but 602-933-4567 is the number. Please get ready to dial it. In the meantime, a check presentation from one of my favorite restaurants in town. I can say that with certainty. Angry Crab Shack. Well, I've got Angry Crab Shack here with me now. We have Anise Hopner, uh, the marketing lead, yeah. and then <laughs> Shannon Bentley, the in-house paralegal <laughs> with Angry Crab Shack. The PCH Partners is here, so uh, thank you all so much for being here. Why don't we just start off by talking about why being involved with the Giveathon? Well, we have been involved with PCH for the last five years or so, mm-hmm. and it's always been such a blessing to have the opportunity to give back to the community and the kids. Like Shannon has a personal story about that. Actually, my, um, quickly, I will I'll touch on it. Uh, my son, who's now twelve, uh, two thousand eighteen. Unfortunately, he was in a bad car accident uh, in Gila Bend, mm. and they brought him all the way to PCH. He was in the trauma center for about 36 hours, and uh, I don't think I've ever had a better experience with health staff than I did there. They were amazing, and so I'm very thankful for PCH, and so it's dear to my heart, which is why I always want to be involved in everything I can with PCH. Well, like every year, Angry Crab Shack, I know that you've got a check to present Mm -hmm. for the Giveathon. Would you mind sharing the amount? Of course. So thank you, obviously, to our awesome guests that allow us to have this awesome check for PCH, and this year we're donating $50,000. Yay! <laughs> Pretty exciting, right? I know. Yes. 
<laughs> See, I get goosebumps every I time know, we do this. Seriously, real goosebumps. Thank yeah. you so much, Angry Crab Shack, Shannon, yeah. Venice. Just yeah. amazing. Thank you for for all of the work that you do to contribute to this hospital. Yeah, we appreciate being here. Thank you. Yes, guys. thank you so much. Tremendous, tremendous, outstanding. Love it. Fifty thousand dollars. How about great. that? That's fantastic. We appreciate that. Thank you, Angry Crab Shack, for your yearly work, your annual work that you do in the fifty thousand dollar donation. That's fantastic. Now, the why is all summed up in the stories that we've been telling you, and it's time now for another story of hope, and it's presented by Madame Holmes, and this is a story of Amanda. Armando's little daughter, Amanda, doesn't remember anything about the day that she was run over by a car. It's a day that Armando will never forget. This is Amanda's story. I'm Armando. My name is Amanda, and this is my story. Well, I'm- hit by a car. She had a fractured pelvis in four places, laceration on her liver, very serious brain injury. She had a tracheostomy. I don't even remember that day. I just saw black. Even though everybody was telling us she was not going to make it, she's here, breathing by her own, walking, talking. I had to get better. I had to try. Mandy, she's a warrior. Honestly, believe in miracles. That day when my daughter was hit by the car, a retired nurse was driving by. She stopped to start performing CPR while the paramedics got there. I almost, I think I was going to break his back because I hugged him as hard as I could and I thank him. God works in mysterious ways. I struggled for my physical therapy. Seeing her in pain, crying, the therapist would ask her, you want to stop? And every single time she will answer, no. By that time, I will break my heart seeing her in pain, but also she was giving me a lesson of being a fighter. The doctors are amazed with her progress. She's doing very good, getting stronger day by day. I want to be either an author, director, vet, like a musician. My dream for Mandy is recover 100% and to be independent. She needs to work hard. We'll be by her side. Phoenix Children's Hospital, the doctors, nurses, therapists. I was so grateful for them. They treat us like a family. Imagine if your kid was in that position. It's very important to help PCH. You can make a difference. I saw it with my daughter. Donate, please. 
family. That's the word you keep hearing every oh, single time yeah. with these with these stories is that they they treated us like family. It's like we're in their family. They're in our family. That's how close you get, Gambo, with the with the doctors and the nurses and the therapists and and all of the staff at Phoenix Children's. You know what I you know what I took out of that? Just the dreams that you know we don't even realize the kids have. I want to be a director or an author or a vet or a musician, and you don't you don't even realize it. But like those dreams can be kept alive if you know with with the great care of Phoenix Children's Hospital, and they save kids, right? They can't save them all. We know that, but they do save kids. Everybody knows it. They save lives, and by doing that, they keep a lot of dreams alive. Yeah, absolutely. So, another wonderful story, and now, as promised, another great opportunity for you to get involved right now. You hear the music. The music means a match, and the match is coming to us from American Textile Recycling Services. Right now, throughout the course of this music and into the commercial break, American Textile Recycling Services matching your donations dollar for dollar. Here's what you do. 602-933-4567 is the number. 602-933-4567. Your donation will be matched dollar for dollar. Whatever you can afford is appreciated, of course. But if you become a champion of hope, $20 a month right now, your 20 becomes 40 thanks to American Textile Recycling Services. And we'll take a teddy bear to a kid in the hospital right now, Gambo, if you become a champion of hope. Such a great time to donate, to have that money doubled. Your 20 becomes 40, 100 becomes 200. If you donate $500, it's $1,000. All you have to do is call the Desert Financial Credit Union phone bank at 602-933-4567. We are up and running. 602-933-4567. We cannot do this alone. We need the help of the community. And if you have the ability to step up and help, we'd really appreciate it. Now, if you tried earlier, we'll admit we had some tactical problems with the phones earlier in the afternoon in the 12 o'clock hour, 1 o'clock hour. So we lost a little ground and we might have frustrated a few people because they were trying to get through and couldn't. If that was you, if you were trying to get through earlier and you couldn't, please call us now. We are staffed. We're available. We're ready to go. 602-933-4567. Let's make up some of that ground that we might have lost a little bit in the 12 o'clock hour and 1 o'clock hour when we were having our technical problems through nobody's fault. We just want to get back to where we were, and you can be a part of that by calling again, 602-933-4567, and take advantage of this match from American Textile Recycling Services. Let's fire up the Train Teddy Bear Express. We've already had a few donations coming in. We'll send some teddy bears upstairs. We'd like to send some more. 602-933-4567 is the number. Gambo, you ready for a tote board update going into our final day. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I know we had some phone issues, but absolutely. Let's see what the tote board says. Drum roll, please. And our total, after four days of the Phoenix Children's Giveathon, $1,345,568. 
1.3, almost 1.4 million going into our final day, Gambo. And our final day is tomorrow. It will come to an end tomorrow. So for anybody that's been listening and hearing all these stories, if you can if you can help out and donate, we'd love to have you right now, especially when we're in a match. Just call 602-933-4567, and you can be a part of this great give-a-thon. Thank you to everybody in our audience who has contributed. You know we appreciate you, and we appreciate what you've done. When we come back, did you hear about this new Big Ten media rights deal that was announced today? Don't you think it kind of would have been cool if ASU was a part of it? Yeah, us too. That's next on Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Well, it's not Diamondbacks baseball. They already played. They already won. They beat the Giants. They're on the way home. The road trip is over. There's other Major League Baseball, of course, going on tonight. Man, your Yankees are losing again, Gambo. Six to two. Yeah, they did have a walk-off grand slam by Donaldson, but they're not, their offense is just not very good right now. They're not scoring runs. Maybe yeah. Giancarlo Stanton's return will help. Maybe, perhaps. There are a few games around baseball going on. There's also a preseason Thursday night game going on right now between the Bears and the Seahawks. This was the one that Drew Locke was supposed to start for Seattle, um, but he came down with COVID. The Bears just took a 10-0 lead. Of course, it's a you know typical preseason kind of parade of backups, so watch it if you want. But consider yourself warned that there are, I think Justin Fields is already out of the game. He's not playing a lot. So that's going on 10 nothing right now at the start of the second quarter. Beyond that, you can kind of watch whatever you want to watch tonight, I suppose, right? It's up to you. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to give that Game of, of Thrones uh, show a chance. House of the Dragon or House, House of, of the Dragons Dragon. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, the prequel. Uh, yeah, I know you're you know, a big fan about of Game the other of Thrones. Day. Yeah. I don't know prequels or or any good, but man, I love Game of Thrones so much. It's like I hope this the show doesn't let me down. Yeah, uh, prequels are hard to do. Uh, Better Call Saul has done it really, really well. It's it's hard to make a good prequel because at the end of the prequel, it's got to match up with whatever happened before it, right? Whatever happened right. in the whatever right. happens in House of Dragons has to line up with whatever happened in Game of Thrones. That's so it makes it kind of tricky to stick the landing in a prequel. A good prequel does. A, and Better Call Saul did it really, really well. So um, that is um, that is what's on tonight. Whatever you want it to be, that's what's on tonight. All right, as we uh, take things home on this Thursday edition of the Burns and Gambo Show, Big Red Rage is coming up after us. Justin Pugh is going to be the special guest on the Big Red Rage. It's always good to hear Justin on the radio. He's good conversation, to be sure. That's coming up. And, of course, we're back tomorrow with more Phoenix Children's Hospital and uh, our final day. Let's see where we end up. We're all excited about that. Today in college football, it was a big day. It was an expected day. It was announced finally that the Big Ten and their new media rights deal that they've got with CBS and NBC and Fox, it's its really amazing when you look at it in that it's a very NFL-like arrangement in that on Saturdays, there's going to be a morning Big Ten game on Fox. There's going to be a midday Big Ten game on CBS. 
there's going to be a late afternoon evening Big Ten game on NBC. And all told, those networks combined are paying about a billion dollars per year for the yeah. right to broadcast those games. So basically, no matter what time you want to turn on the TV, I don't care if it's 3 in the morning, you'll get a Big Ten game. Pretty much. Because they've got they've got Monopoly. They've got the whole thing. They, they've much. got everything. They've yep. got Park Place and uh, Boardwalk. Broadway. And they've got the railroad. Pennsylvania the, Avenue. Yeah, yeah. The Waterworks. And they, they've got it all. So, yeah, they'll have games 24 hours around the clock. Big Ten. It's crazy. What, what's crazy is just the amount of money that these schools are going to get. That's what's crazy. We're talking about what eighty to one hundred million dollars per school. Per school. Yep. And yeah. and you would think that if Oregon and Washington get invited to join a party, they're going to go. And what's sad about it is we just know that ASU's not going to get invited to this party. And maybe they could have been invited had they been relevant enough in college football to deserve an invite because that would have been really nice money. You know, I thought about that. You know, I mean, obviously the LA market is going to trump the Arizona market every day of the week that ends in Y. But this is a quality market. There's a lot of people here. The Phoenix market is a good one, right? One of the reasons why the NHL wants to stay in here. The Phoenix market is a good market. There's a lot of eyes here, a lot of viewers, a lot of people. If ASU had a relevant program, I do. I wonder if they would have drawn some interest, if their program was consistently good, like a program that could battle, you know, and, and, and to me, That'd be top three, top four every single year. So you're always going to a bowl game. You have a chance to, you know, win the you win the Pac-12 some years. You have a chance to play in the playoffs. I wonder if at ASU would have garnered some interest. I wonder too. I, I would think they would have. The market size, Phoenix, Arizona. It's it's a. I, I would think that's money and that's eyeballs and that's viewers. But because the program itself has just been so shockingly average every single year it's it's kind of they just don't move the meter like that the market is big but they just don't move the meter like that now how it all settles we'll see something interesting too as we get ready to close up shop for the night that came out of college football today a discussion among some of the power brokers in the sport that maybe they change the playoff structure before the end of the current contract expand it a little bit we might talk more about that tomorrow that's gonna do it for us we're out of here we'll see you tomorrow straight up two o'clock here on the burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Oh, God.